0: and the USOPC in no way warrants that content of featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show.
1: I enjoyed, I really enjoyed some Water. 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 I got arrested.
0: Mesdames and Messieurs.
2: The greatest festival of our contemporary society,
3: the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can win! You
1: can Brilliant! 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 But that is an Olympic champion! Ready?
2: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Alison Brown. Hello, Alison. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving! <laughs> Happy... Th- <laughs> 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 that's right actually as this episode drops today is thanksgiving in the united states so we are thankful for our fans we are thankful for the opportunity to do this show every week for you and so this week we've got some stories from sochi we wanted to uh in In our various interviews with people, we've talked with them about their specific Olympic experiences, so today we wanted to, well, we wanted to take a look back at the last Olympics in Sochi and just get some memories of what it was like for some people. First off, we're going to talk to Nate Bartholomew. Nate competed for the United States in pairs figure skating, so let's have a listen. So so, how um, is the how is the ice at Sochi?
3: That was amazing. You know, they have. It's 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 interesting because um, the ice was great. Um, they had really good technicians there. Uh, super smooth, super. Uh, it's like the right temperature. So sometimes when ice is too uh, too cold, it gets really brittle, almost crystallizes on top, um, and it's hard to do. It's hard to get a good edge because it just almost. You imagine it like shattering underneath your blade instead of letting you cut through it um, and then uh, other places are too warm and you get puddles all around and it's crazy but Sochi was awesome uh, the ice was fantastic it, it was really a nice place to like make home for a couple weeks um, but one thing a lot of people don't know about the Olympics is you know it's it's like the high, you it's really held as like the highest level of competition right but everything to prepare for it is um you know it's not always like the best place ever the best food ever you're not always going to have the best mattress it's not you know what I mean like you think you're going to get there and you're going to walk off a cloud and then people are going to you know want to interview you and but for instance in Sochi uh like some of the some of the buildings weren't finished yet and some of the they had an issue one of the bobslitters got locked in his bathroom yeah
4: we, we
2: we talked to his team captain a couple of weeks ago about that
3: <laughs> oh did you really yeah, yeah, we did yeah, we, we heard, heard the whole we heard, heard the, the story whole, whole yeah whole oh my god yeah so I mean like you think it's going to be all well and good but that's um so I feel very uh very fortunate to have been there because the ice was so great and the the LOC the organizing committee there um did such a fantastic job maintaining all that and I mean, it's just a really, you'd imagine it would be really well done, but I just really feel fortunate because it was such a well-maintained place and arena, and the ice was amazing, and just felt so good to be out there every time.
2: Did you, did you get to go to opening ceremonies, or now because it was so close to your event?
3: So we did go <laughs> to the opening ceremonies. Um, we walked in, but basically what they told us is, Okay, so if you're competing in a couple of days or if you don't want to be at the whole um, opening ceremony, you you can walk in, and then you they kind of lead you over to where you're all going to sit down for the rest of the ceremony. And it, instead of sitting down, you can leave right then, or you have to stay till the end.
1: Oh. And,
3: you know, we said, well, how long is... You know, what's the difference? I said, if you well, if you just, if you just walk, it's going to be about an hour and a half. If you walk and watch the whole thing, it's going to be closer to three and a half, four hours. So just like that alone is like, okay, well, I mean, it starts at like 8 p.m. their time or something like that. So we were like, you know, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. But we were able to walk in, which was really cool. And, um, you know, there's like a kind of a holding area where just like every – athlete who's decided to attend which is most of them um for at least walking in uh we're kind of all together and we got to meet a bunch of people um that was really where i kind of felt like i was like okay we're actually here now because like you know like this whole bobsled team's here sean white standing behind me like this is crazy you know um, so yeah, we were able to do that. I can't remember what your question was. <laughs>
2: no, that's, no, that's that was that was it. Part that part was, it. <laughs> was it. How was it? Okay, um, it was amazing. It was great.
3: <laughs> it was really cool.
2: Um, so your competition ended pretty quickly. Then what did you do after it was over?
3: Um, uh, we stayed for, oh man, a while. I,
1: uh, so our competition ended and then I think we stayed for 12
3: more days because um, they allow you, if you want, to stay there through the entire rest of the Olympics, um, which is incre- would be incredible, but for me, a little bit too much. Um, <laughs> so afterwards, uh, basically, I just we just wanted to kind of surround ourselves with as much sport as possible, and, you know, we went and watched a curling match, and, like, a lot of the figure skaters, even from other countries, like, you know, we all know each other. It's a pretty small world, um, but... Uh, so I had some of my friends from Canada, and we, like, went and watched a curling match. We went um, into the mountains and, like, looked at all the venues for, like, the downhill skiing and the alpine stuff. Um, and then every night was kind of just, like, um, they, have a, they have, like, different houses, in, uh it's basically, like, a huge building. Um, and they have, like, the Team USA house and the Team Canada house, and they're just kind of spread out all over the park and almost every night there is just like a like a great party like lots of food like free food open bar just like music live music people dancing friends family so that was definitely like a perk um because you know it's it's somewhere that's away cuz again i had i was rooming with one of the ice dancers and one of the men skaters um Jason Brown, uh, at that Olympics and, you know, you don't want to, like, you want to have a good time and celebrate, but you also want to be respectful to everybody who's not done yet. Um, so that was really nice to have kind of an outlet where it's like, you know, like all the pairs can go be loud with their families and have a drink and, and dance and stuff. And then you just like quietly kind of go back to your room at a reasonable time. Like, so, um, it was really cool to just like, go see all the venues see everything that the olympics had to offer um it, it try all the food they had a free mcdonald's like in the in the cafe and basically like like basically like you would see in an airport like just a mcdonald's and you walk up and you say okay i'll have a big mac and fries because i'm done competing and you say okay it'll be right up and then just they hand it to you and you're all done like so you know, obviously took advantage of those types of things after the competition <laughs> right
5: <laughs> right because yeah, especially yeah. your partner because you wouldn't right. want to have to lift the big Mac
3: yeah. exactly but, exactly yes. yes
2: and and I know we glossed over, but we talked a little bit early. you had two clean programs were you how how did you feel about your your competition?
3: Oh, fantastic yeah. I like there's not a i I'm so proud of that um competition uh and actually that season we so we skated at nationals which is in january and we skated two clean programs didn't make a mistake and then we made the olympic team and we skated two clean programs that didn't make a mistake and then we ended up uh going to worlds because unfortunately one of our teammates who was supposed to go got injured and we were the first alternates um and other than a bobble and a lift in our free skate like we did a clean short you know we were just really happy to be able to go out almost three times in a row and just like lay down what we do every day and um it's really empowering and really it makes the experience that much better when you're able to go do just what you what you do every day and what you know is enough because like that's why we kill ourselves every day because then you get to competition and you just you have to rely that the training is enough and you just sit back it's almost like sitting back on your heels and just like okay you're gonna go do it again like it's just the same thing it's not anything different and uh for me it's really nice and it's great to be able to experience uh, as you're coming around the corner and you see the people watching you and you're just like, hey, like I'm doing it, like I'm doing what I do every day. And um, and it's and it's lining up here, you know, like people make mistakes. We're on ice and skates and we fall. But, um, you know, when it all comes together, it's really, really pretty sweet.
5: So Nate and his partner, Felicia Zhang, finished 12th at Sochi. Which was very respectable.
2: So, yeah, yeah, 12th, uh, quite respectable. And and two clean programs, um, uh, you can't beat that. And th- I think Paris is always tough for the Americans in general, wouldn't you say, Allison?
5: It is, uh, it is the weakest uh, of the disciplines historically, yes. Right,
2: right. So you're going up against a tough field anyway, and— um, they skated cleanly and that's fantastic. I it it's really awesome that they competed so well in a what's a very tough discipline for the Americans in general. Um what what do you say Russia dominates in pairs? Yes. Yes. So by Russia far. and the Canadians or no. Oh.
5: Yeah. Right. Mm, right now it's the Russians and the Germans. Oh, okay. All right. But so yeah, historically um russia germany and canada have been the uh the big players in pair skating
2: right and this year he's trying again he has a new partner uh deanna stellato and um they've been working together for a little bit over a year and they're going to try they're they're going to try for the olympics in pyeongchang and uh they've got kind of a tough road ahead of them because this year the u.s only gets one slot so hope you do just yes. as well and and best of luck to you nate we're going to be rooting yeah, for you skate,
5: skate clean skate, skate clean. clean that's what we're going that's, for
2: we're going to talk to nate again closer to the u.s trials for figure skating and uh, we'll hear more about what what the the technical aspect of paris figure skating so that's very cool yes.
5: Yeah, that'll be end of December, beginning of January is when the uh, U.S. championships are.
2: So it's really exciting when you get to compete at the Olympics, but it's also kind of cool if your family gets to attend. And uh, I talked to Nate's sibling, Jamie, who was also able to attend Sochi. Getting to Sochi, we had heard from a, a lot of people, was was really tough when we talked to the pin collectors, right? They Not yeah. a ton of them went to Sochi because it was really hard to get to. So when Jamie went, uh, they took flight from Boston to New Jersey, New Jersey to Germany, Germany to Moscow, drove an hour across the city to a different airport to take the uh, intra Russia flight to Sochi and that took a good 24 hours
5: but I, I'm uh, not even sure I followed you as you were saying that <laughs> never mind actually doing it
2: yeah it was a, it was a pretty pretty tough road to get there but uh, definitely a worthwhile experience let's take a listen when did you all as
4: a family realize he was getting to that? top echelon I mean he was always really good <laughs> uh, I mean when he w- when he first started pairs skating like the first couple of years he was doing that his he and his partner went to the junior nationals okay. like he's been going to national competitions at all of the different levels which I mean doesn't necessarily mean anything because he had competitors throughout the years like they would keep going against each other and mm-hmm. not everybody made it to the Olympics right right <laughs> I mean, when he was, like, ten years old, his, like, instant messenger screen name was, like, Olympic 2010 or oh, wow. something, so okay. he, like, this was always, it was always a goal for him, I think, from the time he was, like, oh, from the time he was a little kid. Okay.
2: So, he got named, and that wasn't a very long time before the Olymp- Sochi actually happened. Right. <laughs> so, how, how hard was it for you to get there? And what did you have to, like, be, you didn't need a visa, did you? Did you need a visa? I did,
4: yeah. We, did, well, we visa. had help. Okay. So the U.S. Figure Skating Association, they paid for our flights. They booked oh, us. Oh, nice. Um, I think they paid for our flights anyway. They, like, helped us arrange our travels. They helped us, like, expedite our passport, okay. and all, this, the, all the paperwork that we needed. Where are you staying? Well oh, we We're yeah. staying at a hotel near the beach, which I think is the Black Sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like a little boardwalk. <laughs> it was, it was really strange. Like one way there was the ocean uh-huh. and then if you look the other way, there was like mountains yeah. and I don't, it, it just seemed really, it's just, it seemed odd to me, but everything kind of seemed odd. It was a, it was a strange place in ways that I couldn't quite pinpoint. <laughs> okay. We had to like Did, fight for taxi cabs. Was, was the Olympic area pretty contained? The Olympic Park was was pretty remote actually. Oh, really? To get there we had to take a taxi from our hotel to the train station and then get on the train for an hour and a half. Oh wow. Yeah. I mean it was a it was a beautiful train ride. It went right, right up the coast. It was it was gorgeous, but It was a long trip. A long way to
5: get
2: there.
4: Yeah. We would, it wasn't like we could go back and forth multiple times a day. It was basically, we went there in the morning, and then we went to watch some things. And when we left, we were pretty much probably leaving for the day.
2: (laughs) Okay. Did they have, like, restaurants and things at the Olympic
4: Park area, or...? Well they were supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, there were not a lot of options for food. Although over time, like as the Olympics went on, they sort of added more a little bit. Okay. But there were all of these snack bars, you know, little, little shacks where they would be selling food. Oh, yeah. And there was this whole space where it was just, like, lined with these little snack bars. And we are like, oh, my God, perfect. Like, there's going to be some snack foods or something. We can get pretzels or water. So we go up to this one. They're selling sandwiches. And we're, like, looking at the sandwich list. And we're like, okay, can we have, you know, a ham and cheese sandwich? They're like, oh, we don't have that. Okay, well, then can I have... This other sandwich. Oh, we don't have that. They didn't have anything. They had like one kind of sandwich. And they, they they didn't have anything on any of the menus. Wow. Did you just like
2: have to go well what do you have? And then I will choose from what you have. Yeah. And then they would
4: run out of food. I think they ran out of food pretty early in the in the day. So they were As far as food goes, they were pretty unprepared. Uh, Luckily, we also had access to some of the athletes' areas. Though there was like this special little building that was built specifically for the athletes and their families to go to, so they could be together at the Olympic Park. Yeah. So like the public wasn't allowed in there. We'd have to like show our little IDs, and they would let us in. Um, And they had they had some food there. What did you think of the competition? It um, was so cool to watch. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Did it feel different than other competitions? It was similar, I think, in terms of how the competition felt, okay. like the seriousness of the competition and things like that. Um, the crowd in Russia was a little bit meaner to people really? who were not from Russia. Okay. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard people like boo at really? skaters before. Wow okay yeah then they were very enthusiastic about the russian skaters right which is i mean you know that's kind of to be expected if you're in your home country at the olympics like Mm -hmm. you know you're gonna cheer you're gonna get louder cheers for the people who are from that country right did it look olympic in your mind like whatever you pictured the olympics to be was it like that when you were there in the Did Olympic Park, you, yes. Okay. It everything was yeah. so big. And it's better when it has like. It was huge. Like we, like we. Okay. Um, it was just huge. It took so long to walk from the train station at one end of the park to the ice skating rink, which was all the way at the other end of the park. It really is a whole park, though. They had little carts, like they were driving some people. Oh yeah. Who couldn't walk the whole distance? Yeah. Okay. It was really cool. Like, it was just so big. <laughs> I didn't even get to see everything because there was a mountain, but you needed tickets to the events on the mountain in order to get to the mountain. Would you go again to the
2: Olympics?
4: As a, as a general fan, if you didn't know anybody there? Yeah, I, it was it was a really neat experience. I think that I would go again. Would you? Have I'm not sure. Like tra- I mean, it seems like, in my head, it seems like it would take a lot of planning in order to do that. And, like, the planning part is the part where I'm like, I don't know if I really want to put that much effort into it, but, and also it would have, it would have been, like, prohibitively expensive to go there if I had to do it on my own dime. Oh, <laughs> yeah, So, if it was close enough and... Like in, if they were in L.A. or Salt Lake City again. Yeah, if they were in the U.S. Even even Canada maybe I could do. Okay. Yeah. I would go again. Probably would, I'm never going to go to Russia again, So if They don't like people who look like me. Have uh, always Yeah, would you have, I mean... In the list
2: of places um, to go, like, how high was Russia
4: yeah. on your list? Anyway, way I was, I almost didn't go. Yeah. Yeah. Because right before, I mean, well, there was that whole, what was it? One of the politicians there was making a huge deal about queer people being like in the Olympics, they were like, no, queer people are allowed in the country. Well, actually, oh, right. no, they, Cause are they don't allowed. have any because they don't have any in Russia. Right? We don't have any gays in yeah. Russia.
1: Yeah.
4: Oh, but it's okay if athletes are gay as long as they don't try to convert our children. I know. And I was like, well, cool. I just won't talk to any children. But I ended up not talking to almost anybody because, like, I mean, I look the way I look <laughs> in Russia. Everybody assumed I was a dude, but as soon as I opened my mouth, everybody got real confused. So, like, the, cause they had security checkpoints everywhere. They always had to like check tags and like, you know, metal detector wand thing. And so nobody ever really knew which security officer to assign to me.
2: <laughs>
4: so I just stopped talking. <laughs> To anybody. And I was just like, I'll just, you know, what? I don't actually care. Like, let it happen, then I'll go through the gate and it'll be cool. But I actually noticed that most of the time I was just stopping myself from apologizing for things. So I learned how to stop saying I'm sorry for existing. That was neat. Weird side effect of being gay in Russia.
5: It sounds like from the families, they had all the troubles that we heard about. Yes. The athletes. The athletes were spared, but the families dealt with travel troubles and food troubles and all kinds of issues that people thought were going to happen in Sochi, and it sounds like they did.
2: Right, and what I thought was interesting was um, the fact that um, the skating federation took care of them and helped them a lot and we had talked to uh, other athletes who are from uh, less well-funded sports as you you might call it and did not get that same kind of help so it was really interesting that the skating federation could afford to send families of the athletes for a a two-week trip it was really really nice and what a great experience to be able to to have. Yeah, absolutely, because, and, and, you know, it's also very nice that they could do it because there's a lot of sacrifice for the families. I mean, how many times, you know, mom gets up at six o'clock in the morning to take the kids to um, a skating practice before school. And then, you know, if you're doing two practices a day, it's, it's really, it's really rough. So,
5: and, and the financial sacrifices, right. I mean, they've put a lot of money I mean they do that in in all sports as well but it's nice that uh the skating federation does recognize that these families cannot afford to make this trip and they've got the money and they use it
2: right right so thanks jamie for sharing your story with us and now we're going to get into our uh, a different kind of fan experience and that is from our friend don bigsby uh, president of the Olympian Pin Collectors Club. Um, with Don, we'd been talking about Rio with him and how pin collectors had gotten hassled a lot by uh, being on the streets. and um, that He said that was kind of par for the course for most Olympics. You try to set up shop a little bit on the streets and the police kind of shoo you away. You know, that had happened in London. And then Allison asked him about Sochi.
1: What
5: about Sochi? Sochi? Sochi was. Uh,
1: I enjoyed. I really enjoyed Sochi. Was, I got arrested. Wait. Okay.
4: Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> it was a minor. They, they took me away in a car. They didn't speak any English, and they were arresting me for trading pins and Bye. Like the <laughs> Okay, so well then, they took you away in a the car. They took me away in a car, and they, nobody spoke English. with was three policemen, they had everybody. me in the car. And they started to you drive say, away, say and to I was asking, just where just are you, "What am I done, where am I going? And they just wouldn't answer me in this room. Uh, bye. One there was time. a volunteer wow. that saw me every day, <laughs> things, ran over and knocked on the window. Very and put the window down, she you said, I'm just taking you to the police headquarters <laughs> to question you. Don't worry.
3: Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, had, I, had, I had Maria send me a, a picture of my Samaranch <laughs> medal and my diploma and I you had say made a print adios? of it. <laughs> when I was in my hotel room and I had it in my wallet. <laughs> so if I got in trouble I could send that you know, another, somebody. Home collector, the IOC. Yeah. You know. wow. But I didn't want to use that until I had uh-huh. to. So, so we got in the room and there's another guy with me. And they were arresting him when I walked up and just <laughs> up. so my bag down. So I took me too. He kept telling them that he was very important. He was in charge of pin collecting in the village. Coca-Cola had appointed him. I kept saying, but they don't understand English. You sound like you're white. You just don't talk. We get in there. And he tells them, I, I work for Coca-Cola. They appointed me to run pin trading in the Olympic Village. And this big, <laughs> bulky, mean cop says to him, show me your contract. <gasps> Coca-Cola. You, know, you just it, Told them, you know, we want you to go in the village and trade coke so coke is everywhere. Right. That's all they wanted. Yeah. So yeah. Unfortunately, there were other people. <laughs> Darn it. Those those people, those pin so, traders. I, mean, I had a, a, a credential from Kazakhstan. I was their guest. And really? So, so they, now, called, they called the Kazakhstan uh, committee and they asked them if they knew who I was because they thought maybe I made it or something. Right. You know? And they told them I was just a pin trader. The, was lodging with them and helping them out with stuff. They let me go.
5: Okay, now how did you hook up with Kazakhstan? Well, You know, like you do. Like you do, you know?
1: Well, it's not easy, <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of connections. And I have people that work with the NOCs, and some of them are looking to make some money to pay for it. It's not like USOC or mm-hmm. Great Britain or Canada. For them to outfit a team is very expensive, wow. so they want to earn some money, so they'll sell a room and so forth, but, uh-huh. but I could never go there and ask, but these people go around and then they let me know that, yes, I can get you. Uh, I've tried it a few times. Sometimes it doesn't work so good. So,
2: so yeah, uh, Don Bigsby getting arrested once again. <laughs>
5: You know, if we, if I hadn't met him and just heard these stories, I would think, what is wrong with this man? But he's so lovely, <laughs> it's so pleasant. Yes, I ended up in a Chinese prison and in a Russian prison and a Spanish prison. It was fine. I have Kazakh friends. <laughs> right. just, and he was so casual. I, I hope that comes. I hope the listeners can hear how casual he was. Oh, yeah, it was fine. I knew the Cossacks would get me out. It was good.
2: Right. No big it, deal. Just relax and roll with it. That.
5: Yes, which... I I, I hope I'm not calm if I interrupt <laughs> if I ever end up in a Russian prison. <laughs> well,
2: I don't... I hope you never do. <laughs> really? I'll just call the Kazakhs. <laughs> right?
5: They'll be fine.
2: They'll help me out. That's... Yeah. Never know. Well... Um, One of the most infamous stories that hit the United States from Sochi. Well, I would say infamous, biggest, one of the biggest stories coming out of Sochi that the U.S. media covered was the bobsledder breaking through his bathroom door that Nate referred to at the top of the show. And... We were fortunate enough to get the actual story behind it, and you know I want to say Nick is to blame for it actually happening. Allison, I think we can blame Nick Cunningham for this whole thing happening in the first place, don't you think?
5: I I agree. As much as I love Nick, I I think this is all his fault.
2: Right. And let's hear why.
5: How was your room in Sochi? Because that's all we heard about too.
6: Is the like? Well, my brakeman kicked a door down.
2: Oh, you were the one that had yes. the kicked the door down. <laughs> yeah, that
6: was me. Um, okay, so how did that I'm happen? The one that found him. Um, <laughs> so, Johnny, we we're getting ready to go to lunch, and Johnny's like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna shower real quick, like, you know, and then we'll go." I was like, "Cool." So I'm in my room, and I'm sitting there, and his room and my room is kind of like just a thin wall like this, and like he's taking forever. But Johnny was. He ran his own business, so he'd always be kind of get sidetracked and go do his own thing, um, be on the phone. So I'm sitting there, and probably about 20, 30 minutes later, I hear this like banging. But there's construction outside, so I'm just like, "Good God, make it stop!" So I put in my headphones, and then like an hour, hour 10 go by, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, "Okay, I need, what's happening?" And the second I walk out of the out of my room, and turn. He's walking out of his room and he turns and he's sitting there with like a towel around him and a towel around his foot and he just sitting there staring at me like just white. He's like, I had to do it, man. I had to break out. I'm like, we had to, what? So I go look in his room, and it literally the Kool-Aid man had come through the door. Like it was just a hole in the middle of the door. And I was like, oh my god. Like this isn't. Like we gotta. We gotta tell somebody. Like we gotta, like you just kicked a door down, and so we did what any person our age would do: took a photo of it, and we decided, like, hey man, like you know, here's the photo. So we tweeted it out, and it was just kind of like, huh. So we get ready. We tell the USOC that, hey, like. Y'all are going to need a new door upstairs. Like I had, and so luckily like the actual door was locked. Like they said, like the door was locked. Like there was no way to, uh, to open it. Um, he, uh, took a, you know, hot shower and there's no fan. So you just imagine he's in like a steam room for an hour and he went and it was like banging on the wall. So the banging that I heard was him screaming for help when I put my headphones in
5: what kind of driver are you? not taking care of your equipment.
6: You know, he was on his own. (laughs) Um, So he goes and he finally like, was like banging on the walls and finally hit the door and his fist went through the door. And so then he was like, all right, time to go. And he started like kicking the door. Well, mind you, he doesn't have a towel in there either. The towel is outside the room. So he didn't want to like try to, you know, snake out of a little tiny hole. Chest high. So he's like, I need to make this hole come down like a little bit. So I can actually like crawl out. So he goes, and he backs up, and he tries like, Bruce Lee cross-kick the middle of the door. Well, there's a support beam that goes across the middle. So he kicks the support beam and shoots him back into, like, all the stuff behind him, knocks it all down, and finally, like, he had, like, just jumped through the hole. And so we go to, we go to lunch, and we're kind of sitting there, and we come back, and he looks at his phone, and he looks at me, and he's like, uh-oh. And we look, it's like 10,000 retweets in like the hour we were gone. And we're like, oh, this isn't good. Like This this is getting a little out of hand. And then we got stuck in the elevator together the next day. <laughs> so we tweeted that out, and then after that went viral, we were like, okay, maybe we, we should probably stop doing this.
5: Did you get any pushback from
6: USOC or um, from... I'm sure uh, there was a lot of unhappy people. Um... You know, it just doesn't look good when U.S. athletes are... We've already just completely bashed Russia on everything, and then U.S. athletes are in there just destroying their stuff. Yeah, um, we, we try to do as much as we could to be like, hey, like everything's amazing here. You know, you can go to Las Vegas and have a door stick. Like, it doesn't mean Vegas sucks. It, it's... It's, they built a city, and this is it. And, you know, we are trying to combat all the different stuff. of Like, all oh, the water's, like, look at the water. Look at the, there's a picture with, like, just two toilets next to each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you don't put the barriers up in a bathroom. You put the toilets in first, and then you put the barriers, like the doors and stuff. So people were just trying to find anything to bash Russia. And it was like, we tried to, after that, we are like, okay, let's go on the, let's go on the, mend and try to be like everything's okay so we try to do that and got better after a while
2: right and johnny whom he referred to is johnny quinn and johnny made the decision to retire from bobsled earlier this year so he is not going to compete for the chance to go back to the olympics but
5: so the the doors in Pyeongchang are safe
2: well we don't know johnny won't be there to test them (laughs) (laughs) because <laughs> he's like official door tester now
5: <laughs> yeah so so a word to Nick Cunningham's Brakeman he's not coming to rescue you
2: <laughs> well I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny no. I think if you're stuck in that situation um, but yeah that was uh, just one of the big stories out there and I think just the what I've seen from all of the construction in Pyeongchang is that you know they want to be ready and they want to be prepared so hopefully this won't happen again but it was kind of it was it was funny when it happened
5: and if it does happen get your meme fingers ready
2: (laughs) right because there were a million of them it was fantastic so that brings us to trivia time allison yes uh you went first last week so why don't i go first this week with some sochi trivia for you now
5: now you got to be kind because it's a holiday and I'm in food coma.
2: Right. Well, sometimes you got to be cruel to be kind, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if this is cruel or not. But um, uh, I will say for Sochi, out of all of the countries that participated, there were three athletes who were under the independent flag. They were all from the same country. What country did they represent? And maybe it would help. One was, I believe, a loser and then they had two skiers. I'm not sure that helps, really.
5: Well, I know Taiwan always competes under the independent flag.
2: Not Taiwan.
5: Not Taiwan. Uh, then my other guess would be Syria.
2: No, but you are in the, I know th- that general part of the, con- the world
5: between okay, I knew between they, Taiwan they
2: had- and Syria lies our independent nation.
5: Uh, okay, because I know for Rio, they had the refugee team. Right. And sometimes when the country can't send a team, right? they – there's a lot of countries between Syria and Taiwan. <laughs> what are you talking about?
2: But also not known as a... – I, would... I was kind of surprised that there were actually athletes from this country.
5: Oh, that can't send – now – Oh, that couldn't send their own. Right is kind of the key there that they had to compete under the independent flag. Yes, they
2: were forced to compete under the independent flag. Extremely populous country.
5: Extremely populous country. Oh, but uh, because the extremely populous country would be like India. But why? Ding, ding, ding. India really yes. why couldn't they send their own they team were um, uh, the
2: IOC suspended the Indian National Committee for corruption so oh. as part oh. of this they said well you have to reelect new members and they gave the decision and um, uh, after they did they said oh gosh how, to, how am I going to put this right the the reelection of the members took place after the Sochi Olympics so the athletes were forced to go under the independent flag they were not allowed oh, to walk okay. in they because were not they've allowed-
5: competed in they certainly competed at Rio they've competed mm-hmm. in other yes. games so I was going for someone who you know either was war or they're not allowed to compete right, or. No. No, nope. huh? I did not remember that. Yeah, sure I didn't. I didn't either. It. it was
2: it was a, a kind of an interesting fun fact.
5: Yeah, but they that should, is interesting.
2: They should be back this time. Yeah.
5: Okay, so I've got a question for you. Okay. There were seven countries who made their Winter Olympic debut at wow. Sochi. I'm not even going to make you do all seven. If you can get one of these, I'll be impressed. Um. No. The, my, uh, my clue could've is could've. one of these teams made a very big splash at the opening ceremonies. Tonga? Tonga. Yes, with the greased up, oiled up Tongan. But flag he was bear. at Rio. Oh, was that at Rio? Yeah. Oh, well, edit that out too. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, how am I going to get to the. Wow, Tonga actually sent somebody?
5: Tonga sent somebody. Yeah. Wow. So the other countries are Dominica, East Timor, okay. Malta, Paraguay, Togo, Zimbabwe, and Tonga.
2: Wow. That's interesting. Malta is kind of interesting to me because you would think that they might have somebody, you know, it's close enough to, it's, it, you would think that yeah. maybe there's somebody who just jets over to Europe and, and competes. But,
5: right. So it's, I mean, I think the population is just so small. Right. They could be the one that expensive. surprised me actually was Paraguay uh simply because it's it's a populous enough nation and there's certainly been many skiers coming from uh South America right given the Andes or the I was just that's the one. Dominica is one that we're going to have to talk about at some point because they were actually expats.
2: I so, thought that, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wonder. And like, American. oh, wait a second. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Dominica's an island in the Caribbean, and the, they were actually Americans who were given uh, Dominic- Dominican, I guess, still citizenship. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, to to be able to send a team. And it was just the, this married couple. That's
2: Fascinating. That that story is always so interesting to me how people just, oh, I'd like to compete at the Olympics. Let me find a way. And for some people, the way is going through your country and becoming number one in your country. And for other people, the way is to go find another country.
5: Yes. I so. wonder if the, Mal- well, I don't want to say that the Maltese uh, athlete was like that too, because it sounds like a country that that would have I been know. done for, but I don't want to disparage Malta this time. <laughs> Why
2: not? Why not? You haven't disparaged anybody in a while.
5: I know. <laughs> I oh. guess
2: are you you're taking the holiday off.
5: Yeah. Thanksgiving. I have to be nice to the world. <laughs> Though it is only in America, so
2: Right. Well, and on that note I think for it's time for turkey for me. We're eating I, light
5: I, I'm ready for second helping. Oh, excellent.
2: Excellent turkey and some games and some family and friends i'll just take turkey all (sighs) right allison we'll gobble gobble to you
6: gobble gobble
2: and happy thanksgiving to our american listeners and if you are listening we would be thankful if you would go in and share the show with your friends and write some reviews on itunes for us and uh just help us along a little bit. We've been having fun. We hope you are enjoying the show as well. And uh, we're really grateful for all of you out there. So have a great week. And we will see you again next week.
5: Happy Thanksgiving. Stay in
0: touch. Email us at olymfever at com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter, at Olymp Fever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive.
4: So I learned how to stop saying I'm sorry for existing. That was neat. A weird side effect of being gay in Russia.